Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, Bully Ray and I get you ready for AEW Full Gear this coming Saturday, talking about two of the championship matches that are taking place. How about this? We talked to Nyla Rose who is going for that AEW Women's Championship. And Nyla Rose is definitely ready for that contest on Saturday. And she predicts she will be the new AEW Women's Champion. Also, we talked to Eddie Kingston. And get ready for this interview because you'll learn a lot about Eddie Kingston, the man who's not much different than the Eddie Kingston you see on AEW Dynamite. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Nyla Rose. Nyla, good morning, and thanks for coming on the show today. Nah, thank you. It's a great morning, because now I'm only two days away from beating the hell out of Sheeta, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. Bully, you got physical I with her last Bully. night. That was, uh, I thought you were going to yank her over the guardrail, honestly. I thought you were going to just goozle her by the throat, yank her right over the guardrail, pull out a table, and do what you do. I that's you know what we're the same wavelength because that's exactly what I was going to do it's a happy it's a good problem to have but we've got some of the best referees there are Paul Turner was right there and had he been you know a half a second later there would have been splinters everywhere I will say this Niall and, and you've been on the show before many times and you were somebody that was a focal point on AEW Dynamite then you kind of went away for a little while now you're back, Vicky Guerrero by your side, and you have this championship opportunity. It does feel, and this is just my opinion, I know other people feel differently, it's almost like Sheeta's been holding this championship title for you to come back. And I would be very, very surprised. Even though you're the challenger, I would say that you're the favorite in this match on Saturday. Well, you're damn right I'm the favorite. You know, I'm, I'm positioned to be the first, second or the first two-time women's champion. You're, you're exactly right. She is a placeholder. She was keeping my title warm. It, there's, it's no mistake that I've been the number one contender for months on months on months. You know, I, I have Vicky Guerrero, one of the smartest people in the business, in my corner, coaching me through this. We were biding our time. That's all we were doing. Nyla, I want to talk about Vicky for a second. Uh, I'm a big fan of managers or advocates or, you know, friends by our sides. And normally when we have somebody like a Vicky Guerrero, it's because a talent is not that great at cutting a promo or speaking. I don't find that that's the case with you. I think you've done a good job of conveying your message both in the ring and on the microphone. So I'm sure it's great for you to have Vicky by your side. But do you feel that you need somebody to speak for you? I don't. I, I, I don't feel I need anybody to speak for me. I 
as you can see, I'm quite eloquent. I have no problem vocalizing, verbalizing, or putting into other means my ways of communication. But having Vicky there takes a little bit of the load off my plate. Like I said, she's one of the best minds there is to have. Why not have her in your corner? We had an instant connection, great chemistry. It was a no-brainer. I'm going to snatch her up before anybody else does. Yeah, I can tell, too, that there's a different side of your personality with Vicky Guerrero. Do you feel like Vicky Guerrero has been an influence in a positive way, not just with the microphone, but also in the ring as well? For sure. For sure. She's keeping me focused. She's keeping me razor sharp. Like, you know, we, like I said, we met on the Jericho cruise, connected with her instantly. We just, she's just someone you radiate towards. It, it was it, our paths were destined across sooner or later. And I'm, I'm quite frankly, you know, if I can speak a little candidly, I'm ecstatic they crossed when they did. It could not have come at a better time. Nyla, what would you like to see AEW do uh, with the women's division, either more or differently? If if you had say in the entire division, what would you do immediately to try to help it out even more? I kick all the boys off the show for a night. I give them a little vacation. I give all the boys a little vacation. You know, I'd order some uh, edible arrangements or something, have them go sit in catering, and uh, let them watch how the women do it. We'd take over for the night. Secondly, I'd probably melt down those medals that uh, Diamante and Ivelisse have, get some nice titles. Okay, I like that. And, you know, Nyla, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, one thing when it comes to AEW and the women's division, a lot of people have been talking about the outsiders that are now coming in. You mentioned Ivelisse, who's now a part of the AEW family. Serena Deeb from the outside now a part of the AEW family. We've seen Thunder Rosa for a couple weeks from the outside now coming in and doing great things. So it seems like a lot of the buzz with the women's division has been from women from the outside of AEW. That's one way to look at it. You know, another way to look at it is there is no outside. You know, we have a strong foundation in the indies, if you know, as as it were, uh, that's kind of the the birthplace of AEW is having those fingers in, in the 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 local companies. You know, that's where we were born. So to that extent, the indies are like our cousins. We have those outside people. You know, they're our cousins. It, we're all one family, the wrestling family. It's just the AEW household. Nyla, during this entire pandemic that's been going on for entirely too long, obviously uh, in the entire wrestling business, um, the talent, the guys and the gals do not get as much ring time as they would like to get. Uh, sometimes it's just wrestling on TV once a week or once every other week. Um, Dave mentioned that you were on TV for a while, then you were off for a little bit, and now he got you back on. What do you do in your daily regimen to keep up with your, like, uh, it, just in-ring? Do you get to get into a ring? Do you get to blow yourself up? Are you in the gym? What is your training uh, schedule or regimen like? Nice try, Bully Ray. I'm not going to give away those secrets so uh, Sheeta can scout me. I'm sure she's watching. She's smart. You know, she became champion. You don't get to be champion being a dummy. Um, I will tell you this. Uh, I, I don't get a chance to get in the ring as often as I like, but if I find one, I'm there. Uh, I, I do have my cardio routine. I've changed things up, shake things up a little bit. Um, you know, outside of that, you got to do the upkeep on the entire body. Make sure the joints keep flexibility. 
keep that mental health. That's where video games come in for me. But I, I think more specifically, okay, so you you play wrestling video games, and that's how you keep up on your in-ring. But do you do you have the ability to find yourself a ring and just hit the ropes and take bumps or or work on work on holds or maneuvers? I'm not trying to expose your game against Sheeta. I'm just wondering how talent these days who doesn't get to wrestle a lot keeps in ring shape, which is much different than being in shape. No, I feel you. It. it two incredibly different things um and it is difficult it absolutely is difficult luckily blessed with aew you know we can steal a little bit of ring time while they're setting up everything else so show up to the show get there early get in the ring like you said blow yourself up run through the drills go back to the basics definitely doing that when i'm on site off site don't have access to a ring so that's where the shakeup comes, doing the yoga, doing the flexibility, doing all those other things, trying to uh, maximize my time with the ring, if you will. Talking to Nyla Rose, who's challenging Sheeta for the AEW Women's Championship at Full Gear on Saturday. Uh, it's live on pay-per-view. You can also stream it on BR Live here in the U.S. or on Fight TV in the U.K. And, and Nyla like, talk a little bit about Cheetah because a lot of fans don't know her. Even though she's been champion, she's been champion a while. Tell us a little bit about who you're going to be stepping into the ring with on Saturday. No. Do, do you have Sheeta on here or do you have me on here? And talk about me. All right, you know what? Fine, I'll play your game. You know, we, we were cool. We were cool, David. It's okay. Uh, no, we're still Sheeta's cool. Smart. I'll get you back. Are we, are we still cool? Are we yeah, still we got cool? 10 minutes to get, get back on track. <laughs> <laughs> she she's smart. She's cunning. She's tough. She's tough as nails. I'm going I'm to give credit where it's due. She is tough. She definitely took me to my limits. Uh, she made me reevaluate myself. Um, you know, she's someone who, I hate to say this, but if, if it weren't me, it should be her. You know? Okay. Um, she's well-rounded individual, very well-spoken, very soft-spoken. And I think that's where a lot of people slip up. I know that was one of my mistakes. L underestimated her just a little bit. But um, come this Saturday, I think she's going to be the one underestimating me. Nyla, earlier in the show, me and Dave were talking about the importance of agents or producers or veteran talent helping out the younger talent when it comes to psychology or promos or anything that younger talent may may have uh, may may need, may need help with. Um, who do you find yourself working with the most? I know we got Billy Gunn there. I know we got Malenko. I know we got Jerry Lynn. Um, who do you turn to when you need advice? Um, I, I try to go to everybody. I'm probably the most annoying backstage for probably the right reasons. Uh, if, if I see anybody back there that I know I can, you know, grab a few seconds of their time, Sean Spears, uh, Dean Malenko, he, he's, a, he's a bit like a ghost. He's there one second and he's not. But if I can find Dean, I'm definitely asking him something. Uh, Jericho, incredible mind. He's always got something to say and like, uh, you know, I'm saying, hey, don't be nice to me. Pick it apart. Like, that's that's the only way I'm going to fine tune. Um, Dustin, for sure. He's 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 a big one that I, I, I go to almost immediately. But it, anybody and anybody I can see. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm bending their ear. What do you Let think me, the number one thing that you've learned since you've got it was since you've gotten to AEW? Uh, ooh, that's a tough one. I asked you a tough question at a uh, rest certain restaurant in New York a couple of years ago. Stumped you. I think this is the receipt for that. What, what question did you ask me? It was something about tough enough. 
<coughs> it that was years ago. Like during the we, very first Tough Enough. All right. Well, I just said I, I asked you a hard question now. So now now you got it. Yeah, what, so what, that's the receipt. That's that's your receipt. You're lucky it's a verbal receipt. If it's a physical receipt, you'd be picking splinters out of your ass, kid. No doubt, no doubt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the one thing that I think I've learned is you don't know, you don't know at all. There's so much more about this business. There's so oh, lost you for a second. There's so so much more about this business than just what happens in the ring. Um, it, it definitely opened my eyes to all the aspects of what professional wrestling really is. No, it's actually hold, hold on one second, Dave. Sorry. Okay. It's actually great. I'm really happy to hear that answer because you said you don't know. And so many talents, younger talents or talents that haven't been exposed to the, to the bigger time, like an AEW or WWE think that they do know. So to humble yourself and realize, wow, I really don't know shit about this business because I might have wrestled on the indies for a couple of years and maybe had a little taste here or there. A, a lot of younger talent, they, they think they have it when they really don't. And then you get to sit down with a Jericho or with a Dustin or with a Billy Gunn and you hear this knowledge and you're like, wow, there are so many things that I really didn't know. So that was a great answer by you. Good job. Thank you. I mean, but it's, it's the truth. It's just, it's, you got to take those goggles off. You got to take those goggles off and have an honest conversation with yourself. You know, and, and now you talked about like, you know, talking to a Dean Malenko and to a Jericho and, you know, AEW only a year in. It's amazing what, you know, this company has been able to do in just a year. It's, it's phenomenal. Really, truly changed, I think, the landscape in pro wrestling. But you but when you have a new company and you have a family like you have with AEW, and it sounds like for the most part, you know, everyone gets along. Is it difficult at times to get like a true evaluation of a match? Like is kindness a problem in AEW or or are people honest and, and give you their honest opinion about something? You know, I think um, I think kindness and this is just my personal opinion I think kindness is a bit of a problem in all of professional wrestling. Nobody like wants to tear somebody down. Nobody wants to break someone's spirits. Uh, so you gotta, you ever see Austin Powers? Uh, you remember Mustafa? You had to ask him like three times. It's kind of what it is. Like, hey, how was things? Was, oh yeah, it was good. It was good. He's like, okay, but no, no, no. Like, what about this thing? <laughs> well, you know, hey, look, you know, don't don't sugarcoat it for me. Like, what's the deal? Well, listen, kid, this is you know, and then they lay it out there for you. Okay, all right. So you you don't like having things sugarcoated for you. That that's good because in the wrestling business is entirely too much sugarcoating. There's entirely too much blowing smoke up each other's ass. You know, you don't need another wrestler or a veteran to tell you what you did good because the fans, the crowd told you what you did good by their reaction, whether they're cheering or booing. It's those veterans who can help you tighten the screws. You need to hear all the things that you could have done better. And that's that's how you become, uh, 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 you know, truly successful in this industry. So, so far, that's two good answers you've given me. <laughs> Uh, Nyla, um, I just said a year in with AEW Dynamite. Is there one moment over this last year that you've been a part of this group that stands above all the rest? Aside from winning the title the first time, um, 
honestly, I would probably say winning the Battle Royal to go on to compete for the title. Uh, that place was absolutely electric. I, the match happened on the buy-in, but you would have thought it was the main event. Everybody in that building, they were loud, they were roaring. It, it was... It was, it was a beautiful snapshot for me to take of that. Yeah, I've never had anything like that happen. And, and for that to happen in Chicago, uh, rabid wrestling fans, it, it was downright magical. Now, let's talk about your use of the tables real quick. Uh, your idea, something that you wanted to do, or did somebody bring that idea to you and say, hey, we think this would work for you? Honestly, it just kind of happened organically. It was like, hey, you know, this needs to happen, X, Y, Z. What's around? Oh, a table. Happened. In fact, it wasn't even like anything uh, ringside. The first uh, two, two, three times it happened, it was all backstage stuff, and it was like that was that's what it was. That was it. Just it was right there. It was a no brainer. We did it, and it it got a little bit of traction. You know, nothing was nothing was forced. It was like let's do this, and people reacted positively to it. I was a little you know nervous how you would react to it. <laughs> No, I, I, I loved it. I, I, I came on the show and I'm like, she should be doing it all the time. I'm not one of those vets or one of those guys where if we did it first, you can't do it. We can all do it. But what I want to see Nyla Rose does, if she uses a table, she makes it her own. She makes it uh, a Nyla Rose spot, not a, something that the Duds would have done. So when I see something like that, I'm all for it because... I didn't, me and Devon didn't invent using tables. Sabu and the public enemy and, and, and everybody that came before us did. We just took it and we gave it our own spin and we made it cool. So when I see you do it, I, I enjoy it. I think it should be a staple of your act because nobody else in the company is doing that. And if we have a, a woman walking around just putting everybody through tables, whether it's a female, another female or it's a male, I'm all for it. The more destruction and the more tables that can break, the better. And you're the woman you. for it. Huh? I said, that's why we get along. Destruction. I like it. Hey, and Nyla is so much better at putting people through tables because when Nia Jax does it, you know, they just get right back up and win the match. So uh, kudos to you, Nyla. Um, Nyla, really quick, and this will be on video later on the SiriusXM app. I love the glasses that you're wearing for the interview today. They look great. Beauty, brains, and brawn. And wow. really quick before we let you go. How did you celebrate your Halloween? By kicking children in the face, of course. Like, is there is there another way to do it? I don't I don't know. Somebody told Bravo. me I don't know what else to do. Bravo. Bravo. I don't ever think I've clapped for anybody before on this show. <laughs> kicking children in the face. Heal 101. Also, uh, Native American Heritage Month this month. So, Absolutely. Thank you, know, you for that's saying something... that. Thank you for bringing that up. Of course, because we're going to do a lot about with that uh, here on Busted Open. So, uh, you know, I know for you that, you know, your heritage is obviously something that you like to talk about. And I think it's fantastic, you know, be mentioning it just before a pay-per-view where you're going to win the AEW Women's Championship. Yeah, you're right. We are on we are on good terms. I like that. I like that. I um, yeah, no, it's it's really important to me just because a lot of people seem to think that First Nations, Indigenous people are like an extinct society or like, a, a in, you know, something that was around millennia ago. Like, no, no, Natives are still here. Like, we're, hi, how you doing? We're still around in every walk of life. You, you, you've probably met hundreds and never even knew it. So it's really important for me to let people know that we're still here. We're still proud. 
Nyla, I dated a um I I I don't know what the correct polite terminology. She wasn't a full blood, but like I dated an Apache girl for eight years. Wow. You know, who was very, very, very into her Native American heritage. And like I learned so much from her about, you know, certain nations. And I learned real quick, you don't we're not tribes. We're nations and and the, and the correct, you know, uh, correct terminology. So massive respect for Native Americans after I learned true history of what went on in this country. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, that, that means the world to me. Seeing this, it's just little things like that, little steps. And we'll get there. We'll get there. As long as as long as everyone is open and willing to learn, we'll get there. And we're going to try to do that all month long here on Busted Open. Nyla, as always, thank you so much for the time. Uh, I'll be rooting for you. I, I, I'm, I, I'll say it right now. I'll be rooting for you on Saturday. That's also because she never came on the show. Again, you could watch it on, on pay-per-view, uh, streamed live on BR Live here in the States, uh, on Fight TV in the UK. And Nyla, serious, seriously, thank you so much for giving us our time always here on Busted Open. And congratulations on all the success and good luck on Saturday night. Thank you very much. I will uh, come back on here with that belt one more time. All right. I love it. I championship. Love it. Championship. Championship. That's right. <laughs> no, it's, it's AEW. It's AEW. I'm learning. I'm learning. Belt. She, she could say belt. Hey, everyone. This is Nicole Auerbach, and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Eddie Kingston joins us. Eddie, how are you this morning? I'm good, man. I'm good drinking an energy drink, getting ready to get my day going, and I have to go train and do all that good stuff for the pay-per-view. All right, we won't keep you long, but I will say this. You know, Bully and I... I have talked a lot about you on this show, a lot about you after what we saw last night on today's show. The other thing as well is uh, a lot of phone calls about your your promo last night. And everybody that has called in on the show, everything that Bully has said, everything that I have said, the one word we keep using is real. And this story is resonating with people because it's real. So, you know, talk about this story, 18 years in the making, going into this main event match on Saturday. Nah, man, you, you know what I mean? It, people say the number of years and people say, you know, this and that and you deserve it and all that. No one deserves nothing in life. Everything you got to do in life, you got to work for it. Nothing's given or handed to you. So I've worked for this. I've prepared for this. Like, this is not surprising to me. This is not making me nervous going into the ring or anything like that because I'm prepared for this. We get into this business, into this sport, to be world champions. Whether it's in, like, you know, like Bubba and Tag and then later on into the world championship. But this is the point. So, to me, everyone's like 18 years and this and that, this at the third. It don't matter how long it takes. This is the point why we're in this. We're in this to be champions, not to be the opening act, not to be a mid-carder. We're here to be world champions. Eddie, last night, 
on social media, I got probably over a dozen tweets from fans who were telling me, basically, I didn't know who Eddie Kingston was for the longest time. Now I know exactly who he is. And after last night's in-ring with Moxley, I'm buying full gear because of Eddie Kingston. You are now doing the number one job that is required of a pro wrestler. You're making people buy pay-per-views. And they're picking up their phones and they want to talk about it. How does that make you feel? Well, first of all, hearing you say that is is very humbling. And uh, I appreciate it. Uh, the second thing, too, is, is th- this is our jobs. This is what we're supposed to do. You know what I mean? This is the – everybody wants to use the word art, right? And I, I believe that word's been bastardized. Don't say that my sport is an art. The art in pro wrestling is drawing the people in. It's not what we do in the ring. It's getting the people to see us, what we do in the ring. So, like, they say, like, talking people into the into the seats or – getting those pay-per-view buys, that's the art. In the ring's a fight. Outside of the ring, trying to get people to the matches or buy the pay-per-views, that's the art form. There are also a lot of people, and, and this is myself included, and I've known you for a while, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I'm giving you credit where credit is due. You are probably the best promo guy in the wrestling business right now. For 18 years, you hung out on the indie scene. Yeah, you might have got a taste here and there, whatever. But now people are talking about you as the best promo guy. It's it's as if a rock and roll band hit overnight. You're like a you're like the, the Guns and Roses of the wrestling business. You made it overnight. No, I'm serious. But like, like there's gotta be there's gotta be a sense of pride in you. Like you have to at least be proud that you stuck with this for so long, and now you have fans and veterans and everybody going, holy shit. When Eddie talks, I believe. And they're going, he's the best promo guy. We've been talking about MJF, but even me and Dave agree that you're coming off even more credible than Max is. What's that like for you? Well, first of all, you know, I'm coming off more credible than than Max because, well, I like the kid, but, you know, he can't, you know, he can't squash a grape in the fruit fight when it comes, you know, comes to me. But no, I'm playing Max. Don't get mad. But. No, it, it, it feels good, but it also, there's a sense of pride, but also the ego in me, Bubba, the ego in me goes, yeah, I know I've been the best for so long. You know what I mean? And when people hear that, they're like, oh, what an egomaniac. You need a little bit of an ego to be in this business. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you John's better than me, uh, 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 Kenny's better than me, Hangman. No. no one's better than me. That's the attitude I have to have. If I'm going to survive and survive as long as I have in, in wrestling, I have to believe I'm the best. I have to believe I'm the best promo guy. I'm the best in the ring. The day I wake up and I believe I can't kick somebody's ass is the day I don't get up. My father taught me that as a young man. Every man bleeds. Every man can get beat up. So if I wake up one day and I say to myself, well, I can't kick nobody's ass, then I'm just not going to get up off my bed. You know, Eddie, it's crazy. John Moxley is one of the most popular wrestlers. 
you know, in the world. You know, Pro Wrestling mm-hmm. Illustrated had him number one on the power rankings, you know, top 500 and everything else. And everybody that's been calling into this show since you signed on with this company, and it's only been a few months that you've been with AEW. It's not like you've been there since day one. Like, everyone can relate to your story. I think everybody can understand where you're coming from. You know, you work your ass off, but yet you're still underappreciated. You work your ass off, but you don't get that bonus. You work your ass off, and you, and you don't get that promotion. Like, I'm telling you right now, if this match was taking place in an arena full of 15,000 fans, I would think, even though you're in the ring with John Moxley, the majority of, of those fans would be cheering for you. I mean, how does that sound to somebody like you, and especially this character that's being portrayed on AEW Dynamite? Yeah, well, it, it, it sounds cute and nice, to be honest with you, that we're going to be like, yeah, yeah, 50,000 people, whatever it is, screaming your name and all that stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, man, I saw my father bust his ass in the union his whole life. I seen my father go hungry, but me and my brother and mom never went hungry. I saw my father do overtime after overtime after overtime just to make sure we were good and, and the family was safe. I come from that background, that family. So if you love something, you know, my dad loved us. He didn't love his job, but he loved his family. So he did what he had to do. Me, I love pro wrestling. So I'm going to do what I have to do. And if people enjoy it, if people want to get behind me, cool. That's great. If you don't, then move out the way. I don't have energy or time for anybody who's going to try to bring me down because People are like, where you been for 18, 19 years? I let other people bring me down and I let myself bring me down. So I'm going to keep doing my thing. If you want to join the bandwagon and be like an Eddie Kingston stand or whatever you want to call it, awesome, good for you, welcome. If you don't, move. Move or I move you because for 18, 19 years, I stopped myself and I wasted my energy and I let other people bring me down. No more. No more. Especially during this pandemic, man. I need to eat. You know what I mean? I was, people don't understand. Like, they think it's a gimmick. I was broke. I was going to sell my house in Orlando and go back and live with my mother in New York at 38 years old. You think that feels good? You think any woman's going to want to talk to me after that? Absolutely not. But I stayed there and, I sold my gear and I sold eight by old eight by tens and I sold shirts and I never sell shirts. I did anything to stay in wrestling because I love this. So again, I'm going to do this regardless, whether you're with me or not, I'm going to do this regardless. Eddie, I want to talk uh, a little bit about your career. And if memory serves me correct in our crossing paths over the years, you've had some nagging injuries, correct? Yes, sir. Don't we all? Don't we all once as soon as we bump? Yeah, but some of us have been lucky enough where if we work in major companies, if we get an injury, we have it fixed the right way. A lot of your injuries, you just had to kind of tape it up and keep going and working through the pain, right? Where the injury never healed the right way. Nope, and it affects your other body parts as well <laughs> for some reason. I don't understand right. how the body works, but. Right. So here's my question for you. You've had these nagging injuries all your life, and now you find yourself in a world championship match 
against John Moxley, which will probably be the main event of full gear. Are you worried about the old nagging injuries allowing you to put on a main event performance? I can't. I can't. If, even if I start thinking like that, then I won't go out there and perform. And and you know this better than anybody on here right now. When you're in that ring, nothing matters. There's no pain. There's no pain. There's no ex-girlfriend on your mind. There's no bills on your mind. There's no, oh, shit, this happened the other day. All that's gone. Because all that matters is that moment in time in that ring. So unless my ankle's sideways or my, my elbow's popped all the way out, I'll probably still keep going with my elbow out. Whatever it is, it, you're going to have to, like, take me, take me out, especially with the adrenaline pumping and I'm in there with Mox. It, there's, no, there's no way that any injury from the past is going to stop me, you know? And uh, that's just the way I look at it. I, like, the pro wrestling is so therapeutic for me. Because like like you like you know, Bubba, when you're in that ring, nothing matters. Nothing in this world matters but being in that ring. And I love that's probably the best part about pro wrestling to me is that all my worries and all my fears and all the things I'm concerned about on a day to day basis all disappear as soon as the music hits and I'm in that ring. You know, you know, Eddie, uh, Bully talked about your mic work and how you really have been the best on the mic in all of pro wrestling over the last few months since you've been with AEW. And and obviously fans of yours know your work in NWA and, you know, the, the brief stint in TNA and everything else and CCW. But, you know, fuck, man, geez, Luis, like, you know, <laughs> how are you just getting this opportunity now? Like, it's it's like you're unbelievable. Like, you're not good on the mic. You're not great on the mic. You're fucking unbelievable on the mic. <laughs> like, seriously, like, I mean, you're you go places that we haven't seen in wrestling in a very long time. Case in point, what we la what we watched last night when John Moxley's bringing up your mom and you don't even have to speak a word. You see the anger in your eyes when he mentioned your mom's name. Like, do you when 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 you're doing a promo, when you're in that ring, like what we saw last night, where do you go? Do you go to a different place? Is this just reacting to what he's saying? Like, kind of step us through that process if you could. Uh so I, I guess you could say the Eddie Kingston character is me at 17 years old. Just turned up a thousand notches. So I just think to myself, how would I react when I was out of my mind? <laughs> how would I react when I was a teenager? You know what I mean? So that's just the only thing that sticks in my head. And a lot of times when I do promos or I have a match, I got to walk away and be away from everybody for like at least an hour so I can break out of that mental of 17-year-old me. Because if I stay in that mental, things aren't going good for nobody. Eddie, one of the things that I uh, have spoken to Dave about, you know, Dave just said to you, when you're doing a promo, I've told Dave in the past, Eddie's not cutting promos. No, Eddie's not no. out there doing a promo. I said, Eddie is talking the same way in that ring that he'd be talking to family members or to mm -hmm. friends on the street of New York. And I'm really trying to explain to people that, 
there's probably less of a character with Eddie Kingston than there is with just about any other wrestler on the planet right now. Would I be right or wrong in saying that? Oh, yeah, spot on. Plus, you already know it's a New Yorker thing. We are what we are. You know what I mean? You already know. And it's the truth. It is not me being a New York bias, you know, and all that stuff. It's just the way we were raised. We were raised not to keep our mouth shut. We were raised to, you know, not back down. You know what I mean? Even when we were kids, it was like, hey, did the, even like kindergarten, did the kid hit you? Yeah. Did you hit him back? Yeah. Good. You know what I mean? Or if you didn't hit the kid back, why didn't you hit him back? So, yeah, basically me out there is not a promo. It's just me being me and just talking and, and, and doing what I got to do. Because out in the street, I would talk to the same way, same exact way. Up in dudes' faces, my hands in their face, telling them, what do you want to do? Let's go. You know what I mean? It ain't that deep, but yeah, it's just me being me. <laughs> but like I said, I got to break out of that sometimes because if I stay in that teenage mental, next thing you know, I'm going to the street corner trying to start a fight with somebody. Eddie, earlier on, we, we had Nyla Rose on uh, the show. She gave some great answers. I asked her about some of the veterans in AEW that she might go to uh, for advice. You're, you are a veteran of wrestling, but there are some guys there have been doing this uh, longer than you and that you yeah. might have been exposed to for the first time. So who do you find yourself chatting with or going to for some, some, for some pointers and tips in AEW? First person is Taz. First person. Uh, for those who don't know, and Taz likes to call me this, I was a huge ECW mark. And uh, if it wasn't for ECW, I wouldn't be pro wrestling right now. Because I was done with wrestling. I was over it. At the time, Bret Hart was a legit shooter. How could he lose to Shawn Michaels? I'm done. I was also becoming a teenager, so I didn't want none of the cartoony stuff. And then here comes ECW, half-naked women, Guys bleeding everywhere, beating each other up. I said, well, I'm into this, and I love it, and characters that I can relate to. So, yeah, Taz is definitely one of the first people I go to. Then, of course, you know, come on, you got Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard there. How do you not go to them? How do you not sit down and tell them, hey, man, what do you think about this situation or that or this or that? You have so many guys there. that You have Jake Roberts there. How do you not try to pick his brain for psychology reasons and how to tap into people and really get people by the by the throat. How do you not go go to him? There's so many veterans there that it's it's ridiculous how blessed we really, really, truly are. It's I'm unbelievably blessed. Was there a point in your career, Eddie, where you thought that this moment was never going to happen? You on a pay per view in a main event in a championship match? Uh mm. Well, actually, let me let me cover my tracks real quick, too. By the way, Jerry Lynn. Everybody goes to Jerry Lynn in the locker room because they love him, and he's honest, and he's a sweet, sweetheart of a person. So I just want to get that in there for Jerry. Um, did I ever think this wasn't going to happen? Uh, uh, there were moments. There were moments. I'm not going to sit here and lie. There were moments where I was like, well, I'm just not good enough. Or, well, you know. It is what it is. I'm just going to be an indie guy and I'll just be indie famous, you want to say, or whatever. There were moments without a shadow of a doubt, but now as we get closer and the and the seconds and the minutes go by, my confidence builds up and I go, no, no, no. I knew I was going to be here. 
I knew at some point someone would take a chance on me and I'll be here. And I used to say that early in my career, all I need is a chance. Just give me a chance and let me go. If you like it, great. If you don't, it is what it is. At least you gave me a chance. Eddie, with full gear being a stacked card, I mean, we had Tony Khan on yesterday. We ran down the card. Like, every match should be exciting and fun to watch. Uh, I'm praying that you are in the main event. I think it should be the main event. I think you've earned the right to be in a main event, yada, yada. But is there another match on the card that you're looking forward to more than another? Or more than your own? Uh... Man, I'm so focused on my match that I really don't care about anybody else, <laughs> to be honest Thomas. with you. I don't care what's on the card. You know what I mean? I, I'm worried about me and what I'm going to do in that ring to be the world's champion. But, you know, when, when you sit back and, and think about it, you have Orange Cassidy and, and John Silver. I've known them for over 10 years. Both of those guys. I traveled the road with those guys. Too. So to see those two guys get in there, on the pay-per-view is great. Also, the buy-in. You got Serena Deeb and uh, Allison Kay. Again, two people who I've known again, who I've traveled the roads with. You know, so it's good to see them on there. Uh, of course, you got the Bucks and FTR, which has been built up for years. You got Hangman and, and, and Kenny Omega, which I'm interested in seeing because I want to see who's going to get dirty first. Who has the, who has the balls to go a, a little bit deeper or darker to be a champion or to win the match. So, yeah, outside of me, <laughs> outside of me, those are the matches I'm really, uh, I would say after the show, I'll watch. Eddie, what's it like for you, you know, being a New Yorker, now getting all this attention? I saw, like, you know, New York Post wrote an article about your match <laughs> taking much. place. Like, how does that feel as a New Yorker that, like, you know, people are are recognizing you in a major publication like the Post is is doing an article on you? Uh, I, I tell everyone I can I can get all the love in the world, but if I don't have love from home, it doesn't mean nothing because it, it feels so good to get love from the hood, from home, from New York. That means more to me than no offense to anybody who lives in Wisconsin or something. I'm just picking a random place. But like a fan in Wisconsin, awesome. I'm happy you're a fan, but a fan from New York who comes maybe not from the same exact place, but New York's its own environment. To have that love means so much to me. You just mentioned a bunch of talents like Silver and Orange Cassidy and Serena Deeb, and I'm sure there's others in AEW who you came up with or you saw on the indies. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure you're as happy for them as you are proud of yourself for – for better, for, for lack of a better word, that you made it out, you, ma you made it out alive and you made it yeah. and you were able to get someplace. And like, how do you feel about seeing these other talents that you came up with, not only, um, uh, you know, getting a job with AEW, but succeeding in AEW? I mean, I just smile because I would have never thought this for any of them. You know what I mean? When we were out there wrestling in front of 30 people in, in Toronto, Canada, you know what I mean? And we had to drive hours to get there. You know what I mean? I didn't think that was going to happen for any any of us. I thought, oh, this is it. This is what we're going to do. Let's make the best out of it. Let's put on the best shows uh, we can all the time. Because that's the point. But yeah, to see everybody, I, mean, I just smile. I look at Orange Cassidy, I smile. Chuck Taylor, I smile. Uh, Bryce Remsberg, the referee. I, I was with him from day one. He used to train to be a wrestler, too. So, like, 
just there's so many guys. I've been on the road with a, a lot of that roster, and to see a lot of them make it or do well, it's just it's a it's a nice little it's a nice little thing. It's a, that's it really to be honest. It's, it puts a smile on your face. Well, for me, for at least five minutes, and then I'm back to being miserable. <laughs> Well, spe- speaking of being miserable. Well, you do hang around with Taz, so it kind of rubs <laughs> yeah, off. I knew that was coming. I knew I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that one, Bubba. I was waiting. <laughs> well, speaking of being miserable, because you're out in Florida now. Like, you know, I live here yeah. in Jersey in November. Like, the winter's coming. Like, do you laugh at people like me when the winter starts coming? They're still living out on the East Coast. No, I miss the winter. I miss it. You know, I've been in Florida for about five, six years. It's nice. But I still, when people say good morning to me, I go, what's so good about it? <laughs> like, I still don't, I still don't get it. Oh, uh, you do sound like this. Taz. Yeah, there you go. Hey, brother. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, I just don't, I don't get it. I miss the winters, man. I miss, you know, all that stuff. But there is some days when my friends send me pictures of the snow and them trying to dig their car out, and I'm in shorts in Orlando, and I go, oh, okay, I'm happy I'm here. <laughs> Also, reading that article from the Post, it sounds like you're dedicating the match on Saturday to Tracy Smothers. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Tracy Smothers was the first guy to believe in me and my old partner, Blackjack. And uh, he was the first veteran that we met at the time who actually went out of his way and was so open and honest and wanted to help us. He just loved pro wrestling. It was insane to me how much... Uh, Tracy loved pro wrestling and that he loved you if you were a wrestler. And so, you know, and, and until he got to know you, if you were an, you know, if you were in a scumbag, you were a scumbag. But in the beginning, Tracy loved you just because you were a pro wrestler. That was it. And he helped so many people. That's why it hurt so many people to hear about his passing, especially the younger guys who just, there are so many guys that I don't even talk to anymore that were texting me asking me if I was okay about Tracy. And that's how much he meant to people. And that's why I dedicated this match to him. And you know what I mean? People can like that. I hate that. It's not for them. Honestly, it's for, it's for me and it's for the people who knew Tracy and love Tracy. And it just adds another layer of me going to kill myself to make this match what it is. Uh, Eddie, Chris Jericho, a worldwide star and a former never WWE. Heard it. Never heard no. of him. Yeah, no. And and you should actually, you should use the remainder of the interview to bury him at every chance you get. Um, a worldwide star. Here's the thing, though, Bubba. I got to know who he is first. He's, he, he's some kid that was, he was born in New York. He's actually a New Yorker, Eddie. He's we a New Yorker, and the scumbag turned his back on us and now claims he's Canadian. So he's a piece of yeah. shit from the word go. <laughs> but, but <laughs> So Jericho, obviously, a, a, star, a, a star, a former WWE guy who becomes the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Moxley, a former WWE guy who becomes the AEW Champion. We can kind of understand in the scope of the wrestling business why they became champions. Can Eddie Kingston, a career independent wrestler, become the AEW World Heavyweight Champion and carry that championship for the betterment of the company? Why not? That's the real question. 
You know what I mean? Why not? Why can't I? And, you know, I'm the, you say career independent wrestler, you're right. But I also like to say career outlaw. I've been an outlaw since, God, since birth. I've never done anything anyone else's way. I've done everything my way, you know, and for good or bad, I did things my way. And that's what I think AEW was built on. You look at the Bucks, you look at Kenny, you look at Cody. You know what I mean? They did things their way. And there was no, oh, we're going to bend or, or, or concede. No, they did things their way, just like I do. So to me, I'm the prime example of what AEW is about. Guys who do things their way, guys who don't conform or, or, or just go, well, this is part of the business, I guess. No. We do things our way because it's right for, for us and it's right for our souls. So I think I'm, <laughs> I don't know, man. Call it an ego, call it what you want, but I think I'm the perfect guy to be the world champion and I'm the perfect guy to be the poster child for this company. Some people may not like it, but for those who don't like it, don't watch. We'll get Eddie, somebody I, else who don't, who will. I, I absolutely love the confidence, and, I, and I'm one of those guys who will never, ever mistake your confidence for ego. And before we wrap up, I just want to tell you, I know you can't see my eyes right now or see the look in my eye, but I know you can hear the tone in my voice. I am very happy for you. And I wish you nothing but the best. I want to see you steal the show. I want to see you make a ton of money. And I want to see you go on to become the star that you've earned the right to be. Good luck, brother. I freaking love you. Man, thank you so much. And that's so humbling. And thank you. And like I said, ECW saved me, y'all. If if y'all ever get a chance to go back and watch some of those ECW stories and angles and stuff like that, trust you'll, you'll understand why I am the way I am. Eddie Kingston facing John Moxley for the AEW World Championship on Saturday at Full Gear, available on pay-per-view, also streaming BR Live here in the States, Fight TV in the UK. Eddie, thank you so much for the time. Good luck on Saturday. Thank you, guys, man. I don't need luck. <laughs> I just wanted to sound cool. No, thank you for the luck. <laughs> you're, you're, you're in Florida, so you're not getting good pizza, so you are missing something. <laughs> no, hell no. No good pizza out here. It drives me insane. That and no good chicken cutlet parm, nothing. No, no good bagels. No. Oh, my God. I, you know what? I really miss a bacon, egg, and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup on oh. a roll. I really miss that. Oh, my God. You're missing out. All right. Well, Eddie, well. Good luck. You'll have the AEW World Championship after Saturday, so that will be satisfying. I'm going to bring it to Yankee Stadium and get my bacon, egg, and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup on a roll. Nice. I got. I you know what, bully? I got to get Eddie on my brother's show. If he wins this champion, that's going to be my goal. If he's a Yankee fan, to get him on with Kay and my brother on ESPN. That's that's something we got to do if he wins this championship on Saturday. Now you got to win. Yeah. Now. Now. Yeah. Well, I was going to win anyway, but now there's more pressure. I love it. Pressure makes diamonds. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.